Psalm 118, 24, or 622, your choice. <laughs> and we'll sing This is the Day Just Once as we begin. And you can learn a Bible verse today, a memory verse. Andrew and I have already talked about it, haven't we, Andrew? Okay. This is one way to memorize God's Word is by singing it. 622, this is the day. This is the uh, next to the last chapter of the last section of this book. And the title for this one is A Lesson from Rehoboam for Christians Today. Um, Roman numeral one there. uh, Well, it's basically at the very end of 1 Kings chapter 11, Solomon's son Rehoboam becomes king. And then... uh, in, in 1 Kings 12, his reign gets underway. So why don't you turn there? We're going to just kind of read a little history lesson from the Old Testament and see how that applies to uh, our lives here in the New Testament or how it can apply. Um, certainly at the time this was written and at the time it all happened, the view of the church wasn't there really but we can look back and see how how this can apply even to us. So, what I am going to do, bear with me as I do it, is read through uh, the first 24 verses of this chapter. I'll just read this historical account of the beginning of the reign of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard it. He was still in Egypt, for he had fled from the presence of King Solomon and had been dwelling in Egypt, that they sent and called him. Then Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will serve you. So he said to them, this is Rehoboam, he said to them, depart for three days, then come back to me. And the people departed. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived, and and he said, how do you advise me to answer these people? And they spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to these people today and serve them, and and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice with which the elders had given him, and consulted the young men 
who had grown up with him, who stood before him. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer the people who have spoken to me, saying, lighten the uh, yoke which your father put on us? Then the young man who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, thus you should speak to this people who have spoken to you, saying, your father made your yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. Now there's different, uh, your different versions are going to say that a little differently. One, one, a couple of, I think the New American Standard and ESV say, uh, your little finger is thicker than my father's. And then where the New King James says waist, the King James and the New American Standard say loins, the ESV says thighs. The point is, his finger is thicker than a much bigger body part, (laughs) and he's going to be stronger against them. And that's what it says here, verse 11. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had directed, saying, come back to me the third day. Then the king answered the people roughly and rejected the advice which the elders had given him. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So the king did not listen to the people, for the turn of events was from the Lord, that he might fulfill his word, the Lord's word, which the Lord had spoken by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What share have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To our tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, O David. So Israel departed to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel to dwell, who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was in charge of the revenue. But all Israel stoned him with stones, and he died. Therefore, King Rehoboam mounted his chariot in haste to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Now it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back, they sent for him and called him to the congregation and made him king over all Israel. There was none who followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. And Rehoboam came to Jerusalem. He assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin, 100 with the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen men who were warriors to fight against the house of Israel that he might restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, to all the house of Judah and Benjamin and to the rest of the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, You shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel, Let every man return to his house, for this thing is from me. Therefore, they obeyed the word of the Lord and turned back according to the word of the Lord. Okay, so how many of you remember that story? I'm sure you've read it along the way, sometime along. Maybe you've heard a message on it. 
But this is a very key point in history. Uh, Roman numeral one at the top of your thing says, as Rehoboam, Rehoboam's reign gets underway, he has a big decision, big decision he needs to make. And from the story we just read there, first, he gets counsel from his father's advisors, from Solomon's advisors. And their recommendation was that he yield to the people of Israel and lighten the workload on them. That if, he, if they did that, they would serve him and they would serve him forever. They would, they would be subject to his authority. Okay, then, letter B, he gets counsel from friends. His peers, basically, who advise him to tell the Israelites that he will be tougher, harder, over whatever, however you want to use it. I have tougher here on them than his father. Um, just a second. Yeah. Okay, then uh, Roman numeral C, Roman numeral C, letter C. After three days, he addresses the people of Israel, and it seems like he gladly does. He, he's gladly following the input from his friends. And what is the result of this? When he follows the the advice of his friends, saying, I'm going to be tougher on you than my father was, it leads to the split in the kingdom. This is where the northern and southern kingdom came to be, Israel and Judah. Okay, so number one leads to the split in the kingdom. Okay, so then number two, we're going to kind of get it. Why does all this apply to us? We'll get to that. Number two, the account reveals Rehoboam didn't value the input of the elder advisors. So the, the following question, if he didn't value their, it was almost as if he wouldn't have valued their input no matter what they said. Not sure, but it almost has a feel to it. So the question is, why did he bother to ask them? Why did he even bother to ask them? Well, it would seem that because he was expected to do so procedurally as the new king. So that's what you have. It's what he as king is procedurally supposed to do. So he does it. And in your blanks there, so he checks the box. It's like, okay, I'm supposed to do this. I'm king, really. I should seek the, the, the advice of the elders, of those who guided my father as well. So he checks the box. He talks to them. He asks them for their input. But he, he again, he was kind of waiting to see, well, he just did it. He checked the box. But then he asked the people he really wanted to ask who would really give him the answer that he wanted to have. And then he made his decision. So that was a historical decision. It impacted history. It's, it divided Israel into the, the northern and southern kingdoms and uh, had a tremendous impact on history. So our application, Roman numeral number two, How often do we, as Christians, treat the Bible, as Christians, that's your blank, treat the Bible the way Rehoboam treated the elder advisors? 
I'm going to pause there. I kind of should have paused before I read Roman numeral number two, but have to look in Chronicles or Samuel and see. All right, so that's a, that's another good point. I mean, we so so we're drawing a parallel here, I guess. Okay, this isn't um, so in trying to come up with an application for us <clears throat> is. Like you said, Kathy, really, ideally that would have been what Solomon or what Rehoboam would have done. But again, at times, you know, uh, through the, with the prophets and so forth, people would get, request access or input from God through the prophets or whatever. Uh, but again, it, it doesn't say that. But that's in a way what we should do, right? We should be seeking input from God when we have decisions to make. So the way we know that we need to do that is get into Scripture and see what Scripture has to say. So those of you, most of you probably heard that. Pastor pointed out that there are churches or where the basically the, the, the trend is, has been, to bring in the younger people, to get rid of the older people, not in a violent way, but just to move them out of the church because they tend to get in the way, you know, hinder progress, if you will. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of that in terms of, even in the world of politics, which I don't want to get into politics, but there's that. The, the, right, there is wisdom in the older generation, people who have lived a little longer, although I'm still seeking for more of that wisdom. I keep getting older, but I'm not sure if the wisdom is mounting. Anyways. Um, I'd like to think so, but I don't know if it's the case. But yeah, so it's just, again, it's just another aspect of uh, a little bit more subtle aspect of the world being upside down and wisdom being upside down. It's like instead of getting wisdom, and I th- thank you, Daryl, for the reference in Leviticus 19 there about honoring the hoary head and the, 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 the wisdom that is there that we should, we should highly regard. But we don't tend to do that. And Rehoboam didn't do that in his situation either. But again, he kind of already had in his mind what he wanted to do. And uh, his peers, his friends, gave him advice that, like he said, yep, that's what I thought. I thought I was right on that, so let's proceed. Okay, so uh, dealing with issues, letter A next, no blanks in that one. Dealing with issues, which we've been dealing with, such as origins or morality, sexuality, marriage, gender, salvation, so forth. A question here, number one, do we initially go to the Bible for an answer because that's what Christians are supposed to do and we want to check the box? Do we go to the Bible as Rehoboam went to the elder advisors, thinking, well, that's what we're supposed to do. We don't necessarily think we're going to agree with it, but we're supposed to do that. So is that, is that, the way, why, is that our motivation? Is that why we're doing it? Oh, and, and do we, number two, and do we, as soon as the Bible's answer isn't what we expected or wanted, quickly seek advice of our peers, our friends, and culture? And again, I think this kind of relates to what Pastor mentioned about some of these other churches. They, they more say, well, what's going on with the culture? What is the pop culture 
that will attract and interest the younger people. But that's not what it's supposed to be. In fact, as we know, as we've covered through this book, our culture is not our friend. (laughs) Okay, the culture, it's part of the world, right? And we are not to be friends of the world for the or we would be enemies to God. But that's what um, so often we as sinful people will end up doing. Um, We will go to the Bible, maybe partly with good intentions, but really our motivation is not right. We already kind of have an answer thinking, well, we... We know what will be the better way to go. We'll seek the Bible, though, and then it's like, well, that, no, that doesn't, that's not comfortable. That doesn't seem to be right. So we might give it up. So that's, those are two questions as we're dealing with these issues. Is, is that our perspective? We just want to check the box. But if, it, if it's uncomfortable for us or doesn't seem right, we're going to turn to our friend, our peers in the culture. So letter B, then, under Roman numeral 2, The above points, and really points one and two immediately above, relate to how we are not to treat, treat Scripture. God's Word is not a buffet. Okay? Um, All right, bear with me a second here. Uh, for example, and I don't have this in detail in your outline, it would have taken too much room. But, you know, as the author pointed, you know, where we can't, it's not a buffet where we can pick what we like and reject or, or ignore what we don't like. And he used, for example, uh, you know, yeah, I'll take, I'll have some of John 3.16. You know, we know that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a good verse. We'll go with that one. And Jeremiah 29, 11. We're going to get into Jeremiah 29 a little bit more, but here the 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That sounds like a nice verse. We'll take that one. But then what about Genesis 1 through 11? You know, the creation account. You know, that we all know evolution is true, right? No, we, we know it's not, but that, that's a perspective. The, 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 our culture today would insist that it is true. And so if it is true, then that, that um, detracts on the authority of God's word. It shows that, well, God's word must be wrong in that account. And even the beginning of languages, how did that happen? That's pretty phenomenal if you study it. And it only make really the, the Babel account make sense out of that. And along with that, another passage, just for example, that people might not like is uh, Matthew 19, 4 to 5, where Jesus, referring back to the Genesis account, said, and he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Then he continues in verse 6, he says, So then, this is Matthew 19, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So again, it is not a buffet. 
where you say, I like this verse, I'll take that. I don't like this verse, I'll ignore that, or I'll flat out reject that. It is not like that. But as, as your <clears throat> bullet there B says, the word of God is not optional. It's the absolute authority and truth for every topic. And I really am, I'll be, I have to be honest with you, I'd have to go back to see when we started this. A year and a half ago, roughly, I'm not sure. But I, there have been times along the way that I kind of was ready to move on, that I didn't want to keep going with this. But I'm glad we have. I hope you are. And if, hope we've, you've, hopefully we've all been brainwashed in a good way. Washing can be good. <laughs> so if we're brainwashed in a good way, that's the idea that God's word is the absolute authority in all these issues. And I hope you have at least learned that point. But then, then we still need to take it and put it into practice. Uh, so, let her be. All right. Next, number one under that, as we share God's word, as we try and share these truths, we can, can, be, con- can be confident that it, God's word, capital I-T, is powerful Powerful to accomplish God's work, not we ourselves. It's God's word that's powerful, not we ourselves. And by the way, I'm sorry, I missed something that's not in your notes, but that I wanted to read. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. The, the author pointed out, he said, either we bow and submit to what the Bible says on any given issue, or we are in rebellion against it. So we want to be sure to train ourselves to, be, to sincerely seek answers from God's word as the final authority. We don't want to do that, or we, don't, we just don't like the answer. It's right. It's like, well, if this is God's word that says that, we need to grow in our understanding. We need to grow in our obedience. We need to grow in uh, our, our uh, willingness to submit to him. You're right. Good point. It, it should be, let that be a flag for us to, uh, to be willing to grow. All right. Huh. Okay. Hebrews... Uh, 412. Um, I don't have that down here in my notes. Let's go ahead and turn there. Hebrews 412. It's a, a, a verse many of you may have memorized. If you haven't, it's a good one to memorize. Um, Hebrews 412. And this is so important for us to remember. We must remember this whenever we try in answer to some of these issues, uh, if we have opportunity, we need to remember this. Verse, verse 12, Hebrews 4, 4, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That does, that's, that's true for us as believers, 
as just we talked about, as Kathy pointed out, if there's something that we don't like or we don't agree with in God's word as we're seeking his direction, God's word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart as well. So hopefully he can use that as we need correction. He'll, he'll use it. He'll use his word in our lives because it's powerful to do so. And it's also powerful to do that in the lives of unbelievers. Okay, they might have their excuses or whatever for why they don't do this or why they think this is okay or whatever. But it's God's word that has the power and the precision and the sharpness to have impact on their lives. So we need to remember that. It's not us, but it's God's word. And then turn, if you would. Well, any questions or comments about that passage? That's pretty straightforward. A very encouraging passage. But let's go, let's go to, uh, back to the Old Testament Jeremiah. And I'm going to, let's see, we'll try and... Jeremiah chapter 23 and 29. We're going to look at this passage a little bit more, for the, but for this point right here, the fact that it is powerful to accomplish God's purposes... In the midst of this, uh, Jeremiah's teaching here says, Is not my, the Lord speaking, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? So that's pretty powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's also like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces, and it's like a fire. A fire spread. A fire is hot. A fire spreads. We don't really like to talk about that holdout right now, because <laughs> we don't want fires, natural ones, spreading around here. But it, but it gives you the idea. I mean, how, how it is powerful, and it's it's strong. Why am I bringing this up? What's our tendency as we're trying to share God's word? What's our tendency? To be afraid or to, to, to be concerned about that maybe what we're sharing isn't the right thing or maybe the person we're talking to is going to be smarter than we are and, and unveil a whole bunch of data that throws us off track or whatever. We go into this with trepidation sometimes, right? Often. But we don't need to. We do need to be confident in the truth of God's word. We need to be studied up so that we have some of these answers. But if it's God's word we're sharing, it's got all the power. Not we, ourselves. So we just need to keep reminding ourselves of this, okay? Um, Your next bullet, A, we must use it faithfully. And you could say also carefully and reverently. And I have two bad examples and a good example. And let's go, since we're in, hopefully you're in Jeremiah 23. Let's look at that a little bit more. Because what happened here? Uh, Verse 28, look at verse 28, just before the verse we read. says, the prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. 
What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophet, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, he says. Again, wrongfully, they're not really using God's word rightly. Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. We don't want to be reckless as we share God's word. We want to be share it faithfully, reverently, and, and you could add carefully to that list, I think the idea, by their recklessness. Then he goes, uh, yet I did not send them or command them, therefore they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. That's a little, I'm, I'm drawing from, it's not a direct application, but I'm, I'm drawing a, an application from that, that we don't want to be reckless as we share God's word. We want to be faithful, be reverent in our use of it. Um, that's ever so important that as pastor preaches from here, as I teach or anybody who teaches, we need to be faithful. It's so important that we do. And then individually, as we're sharing with others, we don't want to... You've probably seen that. Maybe you've done it yourself. As you've matured and grown, you say, well, I used to... I said that to somebody before, and that wasn't right for me to use Scripture that way or whatever. We want to be careful about that. Okay, then, you know what? I think we're going to be finishing this lesson. Wow, in one week. Okay, I never know how that's going to work. Um, number two, let us take every thought, let us make every thought bow to Scripture. I think that's your blank there. Yeah, every thought bow to Scripture and obey Christ. The king. Turn, if you would, to... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I did jump ahead. I'm sorry. Let's back up. Let's back up. I knew something wasn't right. Okay, let's, you're in Jeremiah 23. Look to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. I have there... Yeah, verses 8 to 9. Uh, but the, the, to set the context here, chap, verse 1 says, now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive, to the priests, the prophets, all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then uh, jump ahead to verse 8. It says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Then he goes on, oh, this is, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place, which is Jerusalem. Uh, Then verse 11, for I know this is the good the verse people like, but in the context here, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He's talking about the Israelites, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a false hope. But again, in verse 80 says, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which cause you to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely. So that's another negative 
uh, or bad example. They're not using it faithfully. They might hardly be using it at all. They're just claiming it's the, the word of God, but it really isn't. All right, so on the flip side, the good, the good example, turn to Second uh, Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. So we're not going to quite finish. Awful close, though. Okay, Second Peter, it's beyond Hebrews. This is uh, <clears throat> Peter writing here, of course, in the Second Peter. It says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitness of his man, eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. There's a lot there. The kind of the the main verse I wanted to focus on was, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables. Verse 16, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he goes on, Verse 18, we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. In a sense, isn't that what we have here too? His word was spoken and written by men as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So we can just as much say that we're hearing his voice from heaven. We have it in written form. And and that's why we have the prophetic word confirmed. It is a sure thing. It's from God. And so, again, but we should use it faithfully. It's, It's not cunningly devised fables. It's truth. It's history. It's true. We can count on it. All right, let's close in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you again for your love for us, for your word that is true. Help us, Lord, to bask in that. We do pray now you'd bless the service to come. Every aspect of it, Lord, as we uh, hear your word preached, as we sing it, as we pray, as we give and, and with the Lord's table as well, Lord. We pray that you'd prepare our hearts for that, that this service uh, would uphold you and glorify your name. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.